You're listening to All Things Video, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the past and charting the future of the online video ecosystem. You're listening to All Things Video. I'm your host, James Creech, and today's guest is Ricky Ray Butler, CEO of Branded Entertainment Network. Ricky, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, no, so happy we get to do this. Um, you've been an icon in the influencer marketing space for some time. And uh, it's always a joy when, you know, when we get to connect and chat a little bit. So I'm excited to dive deep into all the crazy, amazing things going on in the world these days. Well, I, I'm, I'm pumped to be here. You know, you've done a lot in our space as well and, and excited for us to be able to connect and geek out. For sure. Let's do it. So, you know, as background, I wanted to dive in a little bit to, you know, how, how we got to today, right? Your, your influencer marketing and startup experience came pretty early on, right? You founded Blue Frog Marketing, you were involved in a lot of early social media projects. So take us back in time to some of those early days and how you got your start in social media. <laughs> no, that's, no that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. So um, just a couple of, you know, different, different experiences I had um, early on. Um, I was I was working at a, a tech company uh, that uh, you know we decided to figure out how to do the next Facebook, and 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 it was called BYU.com. So I, I was an, I'm an alumni um, at Brigham Young University, and we thought, okay, well, instead of you know advertisers working with um, magazines, you know, to get sponsorships that are local magazines that were cool at the time, uh, or you know Facebook. Why not? Why don't we do you know play Facebook's game and go even more niche um, to an audience? Because at that time, Facebook was only allowing um, college students um, mm -hmm. using their platform, and so we created a platform um, that was a combination of Facebook, MySpace, so you could customize the background and all that stuff, yep. and also YouTube, as very early days of YouTube, and and. Um, none of the other social platforms had anything with video on it. Um, and, and, and so we thought, okay, well, how do we just combine everything and just make it extremely specialized and local? And so we did that. And so we basically started working with, I guess what they'd call today, nano influencers, <laughs> where we worked with people that had just a couple hundred followers on Facebook that were in the, the, the BYU network. And at that time, um, I believe there's around like 27,000 um, people in that network. And we got, actually, no, 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 it was like 22,000. And we got 18,000 of them to join BYU.com. Wow, amazing. And, and our first month, before we even had the code finished, we like drove $80,000 of revenue um, <laughs> where we got prepayments from, from local uh, businesses and brands. And that's a significant amount of money, especially for a bunch of people that are like between 21 and 23, you know, mm -hmm. working, working on the project. And um, it, it got really fun. However, um, you know, we ended up having to sell that off. And, 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 um, um, and a, a, after that, um, I, I was very lucky to work with some of the same people um, and helping um, drive an application. Uh, oh, actually, something to, to mention, with BYU.com, that's where I really started working with influencers um, and learning, okay, there's a lot that comes down to really growth when it comes to trust, you know, authenticity and um, having, you know, engaged users. And, you know, little did I know is what was going to happen later in my life, you know, because um, at that time we were primarily 
promoting um, with people that were on on Facebook and MySpace. And then, you know, it became a much bigger world later. Um, but, uh, so right after BYU.com, um, I was a part of a startup called Family Link that started an application um, called We're Related, which grew to zero to 80 million users in two years. Wow. At the time, one in five Facebook users was using it. And this and is pre-Ancestry.com and 23andMe and, you know, all those well, things where you well, can... Well, so, so that was funny. It's like the co-founder, the, the, the founder of this business was Paul Allen, who was the co-founder of Ancestry.com. There we go. This came after that. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting, so he started a, you know, a, a website through Ancestry called MyFamily.com. And so Ancestry was before this, but we did this specifically on the Facebook um, app, um, application mm -hmm. and it grew to 80 million users and a, you know, we had crazy amounts of engagement. And what was interesting is, like, I think over 75% of the users were women 30 plus, hmm. which is very rare, early Facebook days, sure. as you can remember. And, and, and so um, that exploded. Um, um, and and it, I mean, it was even bigger than Zynga at the time. Wow. And I remember, you know, actually talking to Pincus and um, I think um, I, I, a person named Andrew Trader, hmm. I, I, he's a founding CMO, but I, I think I forgot his name, but um, and talking to them at a party of like, you know, what we did to make it big and Zynga ended up being way bigger. Um, um, and, and while I was there, you know, we were trying to figure out ways to monetize the platform that was less intrusive than a banner ad or, you know, like a, a video rich media ad playing on the side. And we started, you know, talking about doing, you know, brand integration where brands could actually pay for features in the application. Hmm. And we were able to talk to a lot of the brands um, back then around that. And then, um, you know, there was, you know, momentum that we built on, on, on doing different projects. And then while I was there and, and after seeing that explosive growth and it ended up getting actually acquired by ancestry.com. Hmm. Uh, but, um, but while I was there, you know, I started noticing YouTubers, yeah. these, these kids, that were getting thousands and thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views um, on, on, on just YouTube with very raw organic content. Yeah. And I just thought there has to be something here because, you know, this is very simple content and it's getting, you know, crazy engagement, lots of comments, lots of views. We should start testing this out. And so, uh, me and my roommate started testing this out, and my roommate is Jeffrey Harmon, who's a co-founder of Aura Brush. Hmm. And I don't know if you remember the Aura Brush um, videos back in the day on YouTube, but oh yeah, basically created the first digital infomercial that ended up driving tens of millions of dollars um, for for um, for uh, tongue scraper. Yeah, and, and some of the first viral branded content on the platform. Well, people called it viral. Uh huh. The truth is is they had all the science down. They knew every dollar they spent, how many dollars they'd make in return. Wow. They were one of the first people to ever um, um, start doing, you know, um, um, pre-rolls and, 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 and were a big part of the decisions and the strategy around TrueView. Mm -hmm. actually, um, because they were, they, were they were getting so much inventory. Well, so we, we tested, you know, a, um, a couple of different creators, both of, you know, Aura Brush and a couple of other startups and, and, and saw that, you know, we could crash the website or, you know, you spend, you know, maybe a thousand dollars on someone and they end up making $40,000, you know, in 24 hours. And so I learned really quickly that, you know, I needed to focus all my time on, you know, 
um, starting a company and growing it. So with a couple of friends, I, I co-founded Plaid Social Labs. I ended mm -hmm. up buying them both out within the first couple of years. Yeah. A different vision. And, sure. and um, it just, you know, exploded, you know, over 100% every year. Amazing. Yeah. And had you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? I mean, you're involved in these startups, then you go on, you found Plaid Social Labs. Was it just a natural instinct? Yeah, but 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 one of the I mean, because I I was I mean definitely you know I would have a lot more influence you know on my own startup like like this one, and but like it was just one of those things where there was an opportunity like yeah. we could see that not only was there a lot of engagement around these content creators and around these influencers, but th there was something changing in media. Mm -hmm. I mean, just feel that this was going to be the future of television. And today, it's bigger. Sure. I mean, 88% of the views, according to, you know, um, um, Jubilee Labs, 88% of the views on YouTube alone um, um, are content creators and influencers. Mm -hmm. and so that dwarfs all of the SVODs and all of television combined. That's a, it, collectively, all the traditional, you know, long-form content is a small fraction of what's happening with creators. And that's not including TikTok. It's not sure. Niche. And, and all those other platforms. And so, I mean, there's a couple of things. We just knew this was going to be big, mm -hmm. um, but we also, you know, felt fulfilled of empowering content creators to create, you know, and, and what ended up happening as a result of all of this um, in our industry, not just because of what we've done, of course, we can't take credit for the industry, but um, we're seeing this era of enlightenment when it comes to artists. There are more artists today than ever before that can self-sustain a business creating art. And, and so for us, you know, and for me personally, I consider myself an artist. You know, I, I play the guitar, I do music, but I'm not really good at it. I can never make money doing it. But it was very fulfilling to be able to help other creators and artists fulfill their dreams. And that's been something that we've just really focused on as a company. And, as we continue to grow and, and go to you know new heights and 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 and, and new peaks uh, of, of what we can accomplish, our goal is to always be creator centered and doing what we can to empower artists to create more art. Yeah, that's incredible. That is really the most amazing thing about this industry is that you know these influencers, these artists, can make a living doing what they love, right? And that's not just through the ad monetization available through the platforms. It's sponsorships. It's you know, things like Patreon, it's merchandise, it's all these ways that they can now build an audience direct with their fans and then monetize the content they create. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, cool. think, I think we're just seeing the very beginning of it. You know, um, it's, it, you know, we used to always say <coughs> it's the wild, wild west, but we're seeing all this decentralization of content and, and, and I think it's just gonna kind of become even more and more decentralized, both with Hollywood and with long form content, as well as with creators. I think there's gonna be more platforms that are gonna be on the rise. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it's just gonna be a lot of fun. Um, For sure. Let's talk about that. You know, one of the things I was looking at this week is, um, is Pinterest, right? Pinterest stock is up 4X since the beginning of the year, which is wild. They've been experimenting much more with video. They've been working with a lot of the big entertainment studios. I mean, they're on fire right? Uh, Snapchat had a big year. They have kind of had a bit of an identity crisis for a long time. Are they a messaging service? Are they, you know, an AR company? Are they a, a creator first kind of content company? And, you know, they launch 
the public profiles, they're showing follower counts. Um, Snapchat seems to be very much getting into the game. So are there other platforms you're keeping your eye on or other platforms that you, you're watching? Yeah, you know, Snap is one that's, you know, still there and still making it happen. And, and there's a lot of opportunity. I think they, they've been overlooked quite a bit because of the rise of TikTok and, and, and of course, Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're still a very relevant, um, you know, platform with a lot of relevant creators that, you know, prefer uploading there. And, and then you have Pinterest as well. Um, Pinterest was one platform that was the hardest for me to understand mm. because I don't know what it is, but when I go into that platform, I get lost really quickly. I've gone pretty good at navigating it so I can find my, my wife's profile and figure out like what she's pinned and what she likes so I can surprise her in a good way. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, Snapchat is gonna keep growing and, and, and they're obviously demonstrating that they're willing to innovate and, you know, go to that next, you know, um, um, area with their, where, where their technology can continue to start um, um, empowering creators. I think they lost focus for a while yeah. and didn't, realize, didn't see themselves as a, a social platform or, you know, or even a creator platform. And, 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 I, and, I, and I think, you know, they've gotten back and, and gotten more focused on that. I think Pinterest is going to keep growing. They've always been, you know, a, a platform where brands can go on there and and get a return and 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 drive sales. And and then I think we're going to see other TikTok, you know, businesses. I, yeah. There are over like 150, 200 relevant platforms, social platforms in China. Mm. And and now that you know TikTok is here and here to stay, you know, we should expect a handful of these platforms that have lots of resources to come to the West and also try to compete. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And because, you know, before it's always, you know, been the case where a new platform comes, they get acquired. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more competition now coming from other areas of the planet. And, and it's going to be very fun to see, you know, this competition play out. And I think it's going to be really interesting with live streaming. For sure. Yeah, let's talk about that, right? Because live was this big battleground, right? You think back to, for me, it was South by Southwest, I don't know, three years ago when you had um, all these platforms, Periscope, right? Uh, what was the the big one that uh, was huge at South by, kind of came and went? I'm forgetting the name. Uh, there's There's been too many. Kind of yeah. Yeah. A meerkat. That's what it was. Yeah. Meerkat. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like cats. Right? It's like on the tip of your tongue. So you have live streaming was this big battleground kind of a few years ago. And then obviously kind of Twitch rises to prominence, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, rush into the, the live streaming space. Now we've got short form looping video, right? Like what we think of as Vine, you know, the precursor to now obviously musically TikTok. And then you've got the Chinese competitors, as you mentioned. Uh, India, since it rolled out the TikTok ban, has seen um, 66% of the market share is now dominated by local players. Of course, YouTube wants to get in on the action with shorts. Um, we got reels on Instagram now. Like, what does the future of short form looping video look like? Yeah. So let's talk about short form looping video. Let's just go back to live streaming. Okay. I think that's the next wave. Yeah. And and I, I don't I don't think we were ready for it before. Um, I don't think the infrastructure was there, but I think brand, I mean platforms are ready to start doing rev share. You know, with creators that do live streaming. Mm-hmm. But um, I also um, you know think you know e-commerce and the power of e-commerce and live streaming together are gonna be adopted um, mm-hmm. you know, on this side of the globe. That's always been the case in China. Yeah, we a lot of Billions and billions of dollars being sold through live streams uh-huh. and attributed to live streaming. And I think 
that's just barely starting to happen. And let's see the, which platforms rise that can, that can be very aggressive in, in making it um, um, happen. I mean, for us, that is one of those things that we're, we, we, we do a lot with, you know, the top I mean, Fortune 50 um, brands, but we also have a, a strong emphasis in performance and being able to use predictive analytics to be able to predict, you know, how well a brand's going to do working with creators. And live streaming is, is our top priority because we just know um, e-commerce sales are just going to skyrocket even more when there's more of an infrastructure for, to, to, to live stream. Yeah. And so, but when it comes to like, um, you know, short loop videos, um, this is controversial. You know, Reels, you know, still has time. They obviously do not have the product that TikTok has and the loyalty, but they yeah. do have a huge, massive audience still. And, 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 you know, you know, there's probably, you know, a, a, a group on, there's a lot of people using Instagram that aren't using um, on TikTok that will probably benefit from Reels. Mm -hmm. But I personally think YouTube Shorts is going to be the biggest competitor. Mm. And, and for a couple of different reasons. Okay. One, TikTok and YouTube, I think, are more direct competitors than the other social platforms. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, I, you know, as well as, you know, Twitch, but like specifically TikTok and YouTube because of discovery. You know, they both have a very strong search engine when it comes to video content. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so I think, I think, you know, from that perspective, it's more of an apples to apples comparison between the two platforms as shorts gets rolled out. But where I believe YouTube is also going to be a strong competitor is, you know, around monetization. They've been doing rev shares and AdSense longer than anyone else. They've modeled it out. It's more sophisticated. It's more established. You still see people flocking from all these other platforms from Twitch to TikTok. Um, to you know, other platforms where creators are creating content to YouTube because it's always a safe bet that you can monetize there and make money. Well, I'm certain that YouTube is going to monetize shorts. And so you have the creators fund at TikTok, which you know is doing a really good job starting to pay creators to create content there. You have a lot of beta testing across the Facebook applications or, or platforms, but YouTube is going to be coming in, you know, guns blazing, ready to really compete and make sure anyone that uploads shorts on, on YouTube are going to be able to make a lot more money. And so we'll see if there's, you know, any creators out there that usually make more content, you know, let's say on a TikTok, if, if they end up repurposing or doing even more activity on YouTube because they potentially can make more money there. Yeah. So I'm excited about the shorts, you know, I'm excited that it's here to stay. It's not, you know, um, one of those things where, you know, Vine came and then made a lot of bad decisions. We're not listening to the creators. And like, yep. this weird. Um, it, it's great to see that, you know, this consumable content is going to continue to be an ongoing trend. And it makes sense. It's like a dopamine hit. Every single yeah. time you watch a video. It's fun, right? Creators love it. Brands love it because it's cool. It's interesting. They're, you can experiment with new formats. And you can watch more content faster. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that's a pattern trend where I think YouTube's coming back to because, yeah. you know, they were really focused on long form and for a while with like YouTube Red and Premium where they wanted to have a kind of like an SVOD series offering. It's good for them to look back and think, look, we were the first you know, platform to do short form. Um, we've got to embrace that.
Yeah, a hundred percent. No, I love that prediction. I think you're right on in, in terms of saying that YouTube shorts and, and TikTok are the real competitors um, because not just the things that you highlighted, but the other thing that comes to mind is uh, where did all the old Viners go, right? They went to YouTube. What's happening on it's YouTube today? <laughs> yeah. Huge, huge growth. Yeah. Vine was, was such a boon for YouTube. Not only that, but TikTok compilations already do extremely well on the platform. And uh, it's a natural extension of the brand and of the monetization channel to move to YouTube. The other thing that I think is a subtle nuance, but ties into what you said, is that YouTube and TikTok have the discovery and they're, they're, they have a longer shelf life of the videos, right? It's evergreen content. If you discover a new YouTuber, a new TikTok star, you're going to go back and you're going to watch older content. What Facebook and Instagram have emphasized more is the temporal, you know, quick experiences, news, politics, sports, right? Where, you know, it doesn't have as long of a shelf life because they're not prioritizing, you know, a channel where you can go back and see archival content. You're seeing what's in the feed. I'm browsing, I'm seeing a story, but that's going to expire. It's not engineered to say, hey, here's long-term engagement. Here's long-term value for your content. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. And, and I think this is where it'll be interesting what changes Instagram or Facebook make when it comes to live streaming, because it, it's going to be easier you know, for, you know, um, brands as well as creators to have live streams that are selling product um, instantly. And I've, I've invested in a couple of, um, you know, um, um, content companies that are just killing it, making nice. hundreds of thousands of dollars within hours um, um, whenever they do a live stream and sell merch. And so uh, it's coming uh, and, and it's, you know, for, for Instagram and, and Facebook, they, they, they really have, they, I mean, Facebook just needs to make it a priority to link e-commerce and live streaming, um, you know, uh, as effectively as possible. Yeah, a hundred percent. Shops on Instagram now, and it's going to be interesting to see that that open up and, and evolve. But I think yeah. it's going to be more live streaming. Yeah, and drive more social commerce, as you mentioned, for sure. Um, some of the biggest news this week, right, coming out of Facebook is uh, the DOJ lawsuit, right, threatening you know, their acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp and, uh, you know, causing some <coughs> turbulence there. So what's your read? What do, what do you predict for the future of Facebook? You know, I, I, I think Facebook's going to be fine. Uh, um, they'll, you know, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens, but um, it'll, it'll be interesting to also see what happens, you know, to, to competitors. I mean, I think both um, Google and Facebook are dealing with their own, you know, lawsuits and, and um, you know, I, if anything, it's just bringing more awareness to our industry, and mm -hmm. and you know we'll see you know if there's a if there's any positive impacts or negative impacts as a result of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. It's really early to call, but as someone you know who's worked really closely with uh, Facebook and Instagram over the past several years, um, it, it does seem like the legal precedent in this case is on Google's side in their case against DOJ. Similarly with Facebook, it's it's really hard to say okay, you know, a former administration greenlit these acquisitions and now we want to go back and say, hey, you got to sell them off. I'm all for encouraging more competition. Um, I think that's ultimately going to have to be driven by congressional changes, right? There's going to have to be legislative uh, initiatives that push a rethinking of antitrust laws because they don't really apply in the modern digital age. Mm -hmm. And, and it, would an independent Instagram be a good thing for creators and, and for the digital media ecosystem? Probably, right? The centralization of ad spending among two or three major players is concerning. And, and honestly, you know, again, working, having worked with the Facebook APIs um, in, in, in a deep way, they've really uh, made it difficult to access Instagram information, right? Even things as subtle as the fact that you have to have 
a linked Facebook page to authorize an Instagram account just yeah. seems ridiculous at this point. So, yeah. well, it'll be interesting. I, I'm with you. Like, in, in my opinion, wherever we can get the fastest, you know, in the competition, and I mean, the more competition we have, I think the better it is for our, for our industry. Yeah. And, and you know, I I personally believe, you know, with or without this lawsuit, the competition is going to be coming. Yeah. I, I I think you know. As a society, we now crave even more content, and and we're you know, you know whether it's on a platform or if it's like more of a micro you know you know platform that you know more niche to to your taste. I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of new patterns as a result of all of this, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I think I think there's going to be even more controversy that we're not even thinking of um, that that's going to you know be a part of the courts in the in the in the, in the future. Oh yeah, a lot more to come for sure. But let's talk a little bit more about um, what you're focused on today, right? Obviously, Plaid Social, the business you founded, right, was uh, acquired by Branded Entertainment Network back in 2015. And you've served as, as the CEO and, and really kind of led that company into the modern age of, of digital media and influencer marketing. So talk to us about, you know, obviously you guys are big investors in, in uh, machine learning and, and artificial intelligence as a way to inform really smart decisions when it comes to, to influencer projects. Uh, you know, how has your thinking evolved on that over the years and what does it look like today? Yeah, no, it, it's very interesting. So we talked about this, you know, era of the artist, you know, there's more artists ever than ever before. And, and we're seeing all this decentralized content. I mean, you know, I remember being able to count back in the day, you know, 10 people, you know, on, you know, on both hands, be able to count how many people had, you know, a million subscribers plus. And today I can't count. Um, there's literally millions of content creators out there. And so because of the decentralization, um, um, you know, it, it creates a, a, lot of, um, a lot of new opportunities. And so I think, there, I think there's two things. Um, you have the decentralization of content and that can be very confusing for brands to, to monitor or to prioritize what's out there. And then, you know, you have ad exhaustion. Um, you know, 80, 86% of Americans skip ads, both digitally and, you know, through, you know, um, commercials. 47% um, of the globe use an ad blocking technology. And, and so as a result of this decentralization, as, as well as um, the ad exhaustion, we believe that the future of, you know, advertising and marketing, a, a big, a big part of it will be inside the content rather than outside the content. Why? Well, when working with creators, you know, with an AI optimized campaign that, that we run, we average between five and 15% click through rate. Um, on YouTube, we average between a one and 3% click through rate. So having an advertising background, um, especially, you know, when it comes to display ads and pre-roll ads, you know, you are a marketing genius if you could ever pull off a 0.5% click through rate. <laughs> That's right. So you, you're getting you know, metrics that are much more you know, effective and, and, and have a lot of impact because you have, you know, all this content with their own communities that, that are loyal, trusting, engaged. And, and that right there is just naturally going to have more impact. And so with all the decentralization, there's opportunity to be able to scale the inside the content. Um, and, and so, in order to do this, you can't do it as just a human. I mean, I mean, it's impossible for you know you and I, James, to process. Okay, what content's out there? 
what are the correlations and similarities? And let's, you know, pick up the phone and like, start working with people. Um, and that's what the majority of the industry is doing. And so what we've done is, you know, we've invested tens of millions of dollars in our technology where, where you know, we look at all the decentralization out there. We have AI that's literally looking up and monitoring all the, the content opportunities. And then based on data, um, conversion data and other forms of um, performance data, um, look, look at all the opportunities and, and figure out, okay, what opportunities are going to be the most successful based on what the brand wants to accomplish. And so as a result of that, you know, we have technology that can really scale and help um, brands see what's happening and then, you know, how to approach it. But then you also avoid all the ad blocking technology out there. And, and it comes down to just having the right data-driven systems and processes. So when the brands are involved, they're empowering the content rather than disturbing or distracting from it. But then, you know, this is something that's also being applied, you know, um, on, you know, the product placement side of the business. So we are, you know, the world's biggest influencer, you know, marketing company. And then we're all, we also own the, the biggest product placement business in the world. And we're actually in 95% of the content across Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, and, and, and all the major SVOD platforms. And so we're seeing a decentralization happening in Hollywood. We're obviously seeing it here in, in, in the influencer space. And, and, and so um, we have taken the initiative to invent technology to be able to look at all the content out there and, 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 and be able to organize it and then you know, prioritize it as well when it comes to um, driving awareness or sales. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, right? I mean, we all grew up in an area era of ad fatigue, right? And we can see that influencer marketing works because the organic placements and the trust that a fan builds with this influencer, you know, it's like, you know, it's like a friend or it's someone whose opinion you would rely on to make an informed buying decision. And, uh, you know, now that we have so many platforms, so much data, so, you know, the scale of these influence campaigns is massive that, you know, similar to you, right, we've invested in technology because that's the only way to approach it. You have to have really in-depth analysis and reporting and real-time analytics so you can optimize campaign performance. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that, you know, that co comes out of all of this that we all end up realizing is, I mean, are, are we always looking at the right data? So, you know, you have structured data and then you have unstructured data. You know, 90% of marketers are only looking, I think it's like 80 to 90% of marketers are only looking at the structured data. So this is the data that you fit into a spreadsheet. Views, clicks, et cetera, et cetera, or you know, data points that you get publicly from a platform. But it all fits into a spreadsheet. Unstructured data is really the science and the data behind the creative, you know, the video, the audio, the imaging. And one thing you know, we've learned when driving sales and predicting actual you know, um, 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 revenue on behalf of a client, it's the unstructured data that moves that needle forward. And, and, and um, specifically audio um, is, is what has made the biggest difference in being able to make sales predictions. And so the reason why this is important is you know, how many brands out there or agencies out there are looking at the unstructured data. 90% of the data out there is unstructured, especially with this world of decentralized content. And looking at the structured data, which almost everyone's doing, of and course, doing that, yeah. it only gives you 10% of the picture. And that's why you know, people get worried with the words AI or deep learning. But the truth is you have to leverage you know, 
new technology that can really help you interpret you know the the data out there that we find is the most important and that's the unstructured data that's incredible so are you guys using um things like image recognition or audio recognition natural language Your processing vision. Yeah. yeah, NLP. I mean, yeah. for groups of large groups of texts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and and for our clients, you know, we have you know more conversion data than anyone else out there, and so we have that generalized data. And so when we start working with a client, we, we give them access to our generalized data that will make sure that their campaign performs better than what they've done before. But then from there, we customize it. And, and, and we make it so we create literally uh, a deep learning neural network or an algorithm specifically for, for, um, specifically for their brand to navigate this huge blue ocean of content. And one thing I mentioned is, you know, we are, we know from our, I mean, we know that we are the biggest company in the world that does influencer marketing and product placement. But even though, you know, you know, we're a company that has, you know, nine figures of revenue and, and is growing fast. You know, this year, we're very fortunate, but we just in new business, we grew 215%. Wow. And so we know, you know, in this space, you know, you know, um, um, as, 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 as we are growing, that, that um, you know, there's a lot of nuances just specifically around each and individual brand. And so we literally, you know, tell companies that you need you know, to have your own, you know, customized algorithm or your own customized model, which we called, you know, earlier a deep learning neural network mm -hmm. in order to navigate, you know, all this content and to make, you know, accurate predict predictions. And so even, and then getting back to what I was saying, you know, being that even though we are, you know, one of the biggest companies in this space, we are barely penetrating all the content opportunities. There's a huge blue ocean. Wow. Whoever navigates it and 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 builds the infrastructure is going to continue to grow the fastest. And because this year only a billion dollars was spent on influencers out of an overall you know um, um, industry uh, media industry of six hundred ninety five billion. Wow! Imagine what's going to happen if a hundred billion moves over to our industry. Well, and that's happening, right? Eighty billion in TV spending, which you know now, hey, it's got nowhere to go. Uh, there's less TV content being created. Premium, you know. Uh, audiences are being lost on traditional television. So this is where it's going for sure. It's one of those things where I think it's already happening and it's probably one of the reasons why our company is growing as fast as it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just about having the technology being very data driven, but you know, having deep relationships with creators, but most, I mean, one of the most important things is having data driven systems and processes that, you know, work with your technology, your AI, as well as, um, you know, um, with it, with the camp, with the influencers that you're working with. Yeah. Now you, you know, I've been doing all this talking and you're a great <laughs> interviewer. You're, you're, I'm probably saying too much information. <laughs> um, how did you get into it? Because, you know, yeah. you were one of the pioneers of our industry, you know, sure. creating Paladin, which is, you know, such a strong, um, you know, platform out there. Yeah, no, thanks. So well, I started my career in ad tech and uh, parallels to, to your story, right? I was running, you know, influence, or well, I was running campaigns to help brands and their media agency partners promote content on YouTube before the TrueView ad unit existed, right? It was all about back in the day, how do you get on the trending pages? How do you work with influencers or drive really cool, you know, branded content? So had that as foundational experience, then went and worked at an early creator network that was focused on helping these emerging influencers initially on YouTube, but of course that quickly expanded to Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Um, what did you work at? 
I worked at uh, Bent Pixels. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. so focused on gaming and comedy influencers, and they had started out of Las Vegas, and they brought me on to build out the LA office, right? So uh, expand the team. You know, at the time we were doing rights management, channel management, and then working with this network of, of creators and influencers. And you know, at the at the time, I, I recognized, you know, hey, we're doing so much of this stuff manually, right? Eight years ago, the old in the old days, right? It was all spreadsheets and, and screenshots and email. And so, you know, I started just meeting everyone I could in the industry and saying, are you guys struggling with the same stuff? Like, how do you solve for this? And just kept hearing the same things over and over again. Either, you know, we're trying to uh, build some stuff internally or we do it manually or we're trying to adapt existing products which aren't really suited to this. Like we're trying to use Salesforce over here and, you know, this piece over there and it just doesn't really make sense. And so we had been building some internal software of Pixels, and that was kind of the thing to me that just indicated like there's a need here, right? Not only us, but everyone else is banging their head against the same wall. So mm -hmm. I teamed up with two partners and uh, we launched Paladin about four and a half years ago at this point with the mandate specifically of let's revolutionize this. Let's build the picks and shovels for this industry, which is emerging and exploding. You know, people need reliable solutions for influencer campaigns. That is awesome. I mean, yeah. that, that, that is so exciting. It's, it's, it's one of those things where with this new, like, you know, you know, opportunity that's happening in entertainment mm -hmm. with, with creators and influencers. Um, and it's amazing the economy it builds. A hundred percent. And I love the thing that you touched on, which is that, you know, it's a global phenomenon, right? It's so easy for us to think about what's happening in the U S and the big major U S platforms, but there's so many incredible things happening in India, China, Southeast Asia, LATAM, right? And, and for us, like that was a big thing for us when we started the business is, you know, we recognize that this is a worldwide movement. And so, you know, we have offices, not just here in the States, but in, in Europe and Asia, we have customers now in over 30 countries across six continents. And it's incredible to see the nuances, right? That, you know, Twitter is such a massive platform in Japan. And, uh, you know, you've got Line in Korea and all these like, you know, emerging platforms or localized platforms, VK in Russia, right? All the kind of nuances about how each market responds to social media and the landscape that evolves as a result. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it'll be interesting to see if there's even more competitors, you know, that come from, you know, just random different countries. Yeah. And, and that end up, you know, you know, kind of like VK in Russia, you know, mm -hmm. very, you know, specialized and, and, and catered to that local um, uh, market or um, country. Definitely. And, and so yeah, it, 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 it's amazing, you know, how much can expand and how much growth can happen as a result of this. And you know, we, you know, as a company are just super excited, you know, to continue to go down this path and figure out, okay, how can we empower the artist mm -hmm. you know, to be able to do more of what they love? And so, you know, with product placement or with influencer marketing, it's about having brands, artists, and audiences reaching consensus mm -hmm. and, 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 and making sure the brand knows their role, the, the creator knows their role. And when those two reach a consensus, we actually call this the consensus triangle. Um, the audience and our data shows us our audience, the audience ends up being happy that the brand has empowered the content mm -hmm. that disturbed it. And that's something that's going to have to happen for this to continue to scale and, and become an economy for, for integration. For now, sure. Another area where we've been very focused, you know, is, is finding other ways to empower content creators. And, you know, we've talked about this, you know, yeah. um, one of the reasons why we acquired TubeBuddy. Yeah, let's talk more about that, right? TubeBuddy, this incredible tool for helping 
uh, YouTube creators understand their content performance and do optimization and do deep keyword research, right? Incredible team behind the product that, that built it over years, careful need finding and listening to, to YouTube talent. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell us a little bit more about how that acquisition came together and what you, what your plans are for the future with TubeBuddy. Well, you know, so we talked about how we've done a lot with making predictions with AI and, you know, um, being able to see how healthy audiences are or what's the, the bot percentage of an audience or engagement around content. And, but, um, you know, as we were making these breakthroughs of AI, um, we've had a variety of creators coming to us saying, hey, this is cool that you're making these, um, I mean, I mean, these algorithms for brands and, and to be able to, um, you know, you know, make very accurate predictions for them, but why aren't you doing this for the creators? And one um, creator specifically, Preston Plays, asked me this on the spot <laughs> um, at Vid Summit, and I, yeah. I believe that was last year, so in 2019. Yeah. And we thought more and more about that. Ever since we've evolved into an AI company, we've always discussed how can we do this that's even more empowering to creators? And the answer was, you know, acquiring TubeBuddy which is one of the biggest communities of creators outside of the platforms. And our goal is to empower and enhance, not to change um, the, the actual the product offerings. And because there's a lot of features that are just loved and enjoyed by content creators and it helps them channel manage as well as be more data driven in the content that they upload. And so, you know, where we saw an opportunity is, you know, being able to leverage our, our AI technology and our data to build to, help these creators better predict views, better, you know, um, you know, predict performance, um, you know, help enhance the A-B testing that happens, you know, on the platform, but also extend other, you know, areas of opportunity. For example, it'd be wonderful if one day we could help creators predict sales on their merch stores. And, and so, you know, those are areas where we're really good at driving sales through video and through influencers, well, why not take that power and make it so the influencers can, you know, treat themselves and get better at building other revenue channels. And so, you know, we, we saw a lot of opportunity there and really what it comes down to is what gets us out of bed in the morning is that we know that we are empowering artists to create more art. And art is a beautiful thing because it's what preserves history. It's what preserves culture and it's what we learn from. And so us being involved in this world of content and of art and to be able to empower more artists to self-sustain and to, and, and, to, and to make more money and to, to build their careers, we feel like is a huge contribution to the, to the globe yeah. and, and society. And, and so TubeBuddy was a place where we can help creators become even more data-driven, um, understand how they can um, see even more success and then also how to diversify their revenue streams. That's amazing. And it comes back to that uh, consensus triangle that you mentioned, yeah. right? You're already empowering these advertisers with AI uh, intelligence. And then you're over here now supporting creators in the mission to create, you know, amazing content and then bringing the two together into a perfect blend of, you know, organic influencer initiatives. Yeah, that's amazing. You said it better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, Ricky, um, what, what else do you foresee in the future? What's coming next? If you had to make, say, three predictions for next year, what's, uh, what, what can we expect? I think live streaming is going to be a much bigger part of the Western culture. And, and I think as a result of that, e-commerce is going to also become more decentralized and diversified. Uh, and, and, I mean, 
you have like Doing, which is a sister company to TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, there's billions of dollars being made every year on you know uh, um, um, live streams, you know through through sales, and I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see creators more empowered than ever before. Um, look at what happened with Dave Chappelle, or what happened with Ninja, even or sure. other creators. But Dave Chappelle wasn't happy with a deal that happened between Viacom. Um, um, at, at CBS and, and Netflix, mm -hmm. you know, where they were streaming the Dave Chappelle show where, you know, he didn't feel, you know, hindsight that he got the best deal and he wasn't making money from it. And he just went to Netflix and said, I know that you spent all this money, but I feel bad. I'd appreciate it if you just take this content down. Mm -hmm. What did Netflix do? They took it down. And, you know, I think some, you know, companies or um, experts in the industry will, will kind of like scratch their head, like, why did they do that? Well, Dave Chappelle is driving probably millions and millions of dollars for Netflix. Yeah. Not only that, they want to maintain a reputation of being a creator-friendly environment so they can attract the best talent, not just writers and directors and producers, but, you know, uh, anyone who uh, wants to create a future on Netflix. 100%. Yep. And, and they also see a vision of, well, why don't we just create a new Dave Chappelle type show? Yeah. You know, by and, and so... I think, you know, we're going to real, we're going to see in the future that, you know, there's going to be more competition across these platforms. There's going to be more Netflixes. There's going to be more Amazon Primes. There's going to be more YouTubes. There's going to be more TikToks. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to come to the realization that what makes them valuable isn't just having billions of users, not just having billions of dollars from brands. It's about having a place that is safe for the content creator to do what they're best at. And it's gonna make it so, you know, there's gonna be a lot more competition on getting the best content creators to be working with their platform. And it's gonna make it so content is gonna flourish even more, become even more diversified. And, and, and um, it's gonna make it so, you know, this, this world of um, art and content is even gonna be even more empowered and, and probably even level up. Yeah, well said. What does the future hold for Ben in that uh, new reality? Um, the more diversity, the, 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 the more um, you know, content or the more platforms that are out there is good for us. Yeah. And, and you know, so we stick to you know, making sure that we can empower creators and a diverse group of creators. Um, you know, um, um, you know, when it comes to different, you know, backgrounds or different countries or, or different, you know, beliefs to be able to have a very inclusive approach of empowering all the different creators and diverse creators that are out there to make more, you know, art, but also um, to invent the technology for both the creators and for the brands to be able to navigate this wild, wild west of decentralized content. I love that. Yeah. And Ricky, you know, one of the, my favorite questions to ask everyone who comes on the show is, you know, thinking about the opportunity, all the white space that's out there. If you were to start a, a new business in the digital media space today, what would you do? Um, I, 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 I would probably do the exact same thing. You know, I'm never going to make money creating art. So <laughs> I can figure out a way to help an artist. Yeah, that's terrific. No, it's, it's what it's all about, right, is fundamentally democratizing access to these tools, to these environments where artists and creators 
can now remove these barriers, build an audience, monetize that audience, connect and create great, great work is what it's all about. Well, so it's one of those things where, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I went from owning 100% of a business to selling it and now I'm running another business. You know, I'm, I'm not the sole owner of this business like I was before, but I've never been happier. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm just so excited, proud, overwhelmed, humbled, um, you know, to be able to be a part of this industry and, and to see it grow like it has. Yeah, because the true success is measured by impact, not by some sort of financial yeah. result. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it's one of those things where you know, I remember thinking as a as, as a kid growing up, you know, okay, what do I want to be? Okay, I want to do I want to play in the NFL? Do I want to be? Do I want to be on WCW? Do I want to be a rock star? Mm -hmm. And you know, the truth is, is you know, I, I think you know, you get a lot of fulfillment of just building help. You know, people accomplish their dreams and, and I feel like, you know, I've been fortunate and I, and I think James, you're in the exact same boat. You feel fortunate to be able to do that because what you're doing with your technology isn't just, just helping with brands. It's not just helping, you know, influencer agencies out there, but it's also helping push forward, you know, this, this beautiful movement that we're experiencing right now of art. Terrific. Yeah. Couldn't agree more for sure. And Ricky, where can people find out more about you and more about Branded Entertainment Network? Yeah, so bengroup.com is, is their website. And then I, I also have a podcast called Creative Disruption that I co-host with Daryl Eves. And it's phenomenal, by the way. So I have to encourage everyone listening to check it out. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to have you on one of these days. I would love that. Daryl is terrific. We don't, we're, we're, we're pretty lazy with our uploads. <laughs> Any of the you know, um, 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 practices that we should be doing uh, when it yeah. comes to well, you and Daryl are two of the great minds in the industry and also probably some of the busiest schedules. So, I mean, just aligning the two of you to do an interview, I'm sure is tricky, but yeah, I do encourage when, when, when you do get a chance to create content, it's exceptional. I encourage everyone to check it out. All right. Hey, thank you so much, James. Thanks for tuning in. I'm James Creech, and this has been another edition of All Things Video. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll share and subscribe for new episodes. See you next time.